William Shakespeare, arguably the most influential writer to ever live, leaving behind in total 38 plays, two narrative poems, and 154 sonnets. But there's a twist in this story, one filled with mystery, ciphers, and hidden identity. You're listening to Casual History. Welcome back to another episode of Casual History. Jacob, how you doing? I am doing great, especially after hearing that intro. Uh, yeah, I, am, like that? I am ready to learn more about William Shakespeare because I know a couple things. Um, it's so weird how you learn half facts like growing yeah. up. Well, listen, I, um, I cannot lie. Before I started doing a deep dive, I knew the basics, um, but man, oh man is there rabbit hole on rabbit hole within this world. And it consumed me a bit, honestly. I w- I've been watching something, even leading up to this, um, us recording this, um, I've been watching a whole separate documentary because it's gotten me that uh, hooked um, on this story. And it's not what you'd think. I don't, I mean, I don't think it's what you're expecting. Um, wow. And the connections between... Uh, well, well, we'll get into it, but there's a lot of connections that's fun and interesting to think about, um, wow. and I'm really excited to dive into it. But dude, I'm I'm so ready. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I've learned half truths about um, William Shakespeare. I've never done a deep dive. I've never had a class like really explaining his history. Um, yeah. I I mean I know he had. There were several discoveries about him having like pin names and like different identities for his writing. Mm. So I didn't know how deep that really went. So the fact that there's a podcast on this now, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> you take the I'm red ready pill. For this. <laughs> <laughs> what's the, what's the, you take the blue pill, you wake up blue and pill. nothing ever happened. Take the red, That's right. <laughs> red pill, you sail far. I don't know what I want. <laughs> That's basically what we're going to do today. Um, okay. But there's a bit of a twist. And so, so what I uh, propose we do and what yeah. I thought would be best is try to give you an understanding of his life, kind of a, a, some good points, an overview of his life, get an understanding yeah. of what we know of the general topic of Shakespeare, and then right. there's a twist, and we'll we'll jump into that. Dude, I'm down. I'm I I know we just jumped right into it, but I can tell the excitement, and I don't want to stop it. Let's go. <laughs> no, it's fine, and I do want to mention how awesome the re- reception on the last podcast has been. Yes, I was just about to say that. I think uh, we have gotten so many messages, Jeffrey. Like I've been responding back and forth uh, through Facebook and Instagram nice. on comments and stuff, just welcoming welcoming us back. And like I made sure to hit out everybody that I knew yeah. that used to listen. Um, and we've gotten such good reception on it. Um, I'm so 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 happy with all, how it all turned out. Yeah, it's been it's been great to see, especially after coming relatively back after a little bit of a hiatus of just yeah. not putting anything out even though we I, I didn't realize we have i think over 72 or 70 podcasts out there since starting wow. this so i mean for us that's not a small feat i don't think you know that's we've spent quite a bit of time on it so it's been fun to to see the immediate reception to the the last one we just put out Jeffrey, that's 70 hours of, of us speaking into microphones. Yeah. <laughs> Over, that has to be like close to seven. Yeah. You know, they're not all an hour, but they're close to an hour. You know, what's funny is when I was thinking about this podcast and, um, you know, ideas like last week and we, mm-hmm. we were trying to figure out what to do, um, or at least I was trying to figure out what to do, I was thinking about certain stories and I would find a story that I thought was interesting and then I'd realize we've touched on it halfway like it, there's a lot of intertwining webs through some of the the, the stories we've already told and and went into um so that's yeah. kind of fun to have some callbacks and there might be a callback in here if i'm not mistaken again i wrote this out and try to put a, a thesis together right for this whole yes. idea in this uh this story about shakespeare um but it's fun that that we've been doing it enough now to where there's some callbacks on previous dives we've done on random subjects so that's pretty fun yeah, and if there's enough tie, I mean, like, um, let us know which episode, like, and we can figure it out, and we'll, like, let them know in, like, 
by tweeting or posting or something like that. Let them know what the following podcasts are to listen to for more. Yeah. If there's more context into that. I do want to say up front about this subject. There's so much information and there's yeah. so much um, side rabbit holes you could go down with this subject um, when we get into it that you'll end up, you'll see why and, and how... I there I can only I I'm gonna be upfront. I can only get into so much, I think. Yeah. With having a, enough history, enough casual. information to try to paint a, a adequate picture. So if I stumble, if there's some things I'm a little unsure of, I highly suggest um if you're listening to go do your own dive on it because there's so much to get into. Um yeah. of like um mainly again, this is funny to say, but the history of certain um, ideas, certain uh, like connections to uh, certain connections and people. And you'll see why again, we'll, we'll dive into it. But I just want to say that up front before we jump in to definitely take that with a grain of salt and to definitely, there's so much out there. YouTube, there's uh, tons of articles and books um, around this subject. So um, yeah, just want to. You only got that. an hour, Jeffrey. You only got an hour. <laughs> I know, I know, and may, this could be a thing. I definitely think again. Once we have this broad overview, that yeah. could be fun to come back to and then do like a side deep dive on the connections to um, some of the theories behind this. Okay. Um, and I'm being very vague, mainly because I just want to. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump into it when we jump into it. But okay, if you're good to go, I say we do it. I'm good to go, man. I'm ready when you are. Right. Okay, well, so let's start with the the basics, which I think you already know, and maybe most of the listeners do know, but I wanted to start with um, his life and kind of how he grew up and what we know about him, right? He was a singer? Well, not not exactly. So William Shakespeare, (laughs) yeah, okay, you're making a joke, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't see your face for a minute, and I'm like, ah, that's not quite. Not not really. (laughs) I mean, maybe he held a tune, I don't know. but essentially, right, the, the basic facts are he's a renowned English poet, playwright, and actor. He yes. was born actually in 1564, and I don't know why that shocked me. I didn't realize that was a time period. Um, but, of course, he's a prolific writer. He's influenced, well, at least the writings have influenced tons of uh, just culture. And he, yeah. like, set the, the way forward to where we're doing plays and, and, and rewrites. And, day. like, we just saw Mac- Macbeth. Um, what was I it know. a month ago? Yeah, we did with Denzel Washington, dude. Yeah, great, great movie, by the way. So um, good. Took a minute to get into the language, but <laughs> it was if fun. You, if you're a fan of the actual play, play, you're gonna love this like version of it. I yeah, think. it's I think very it's spot a, on. So stylized, very yeah. cool visually, and it's it's literally the like word for word play, pretty yeah. much. And so, but there's a f- uh, interesting thing here is there's not too much known about his family. Um, we do know his father was John Shakespeare. He ended up marrying a woman named Mary Arden, which they together had a total of eight kids. So a lot of okay, a lot of kids. Um, William was the oldest, so he's like you, Jake. He's got it. He was the oldest. Super cool, right? <laughs> Super the intellectual cool of the group. Yes, right. Of course. Um, they actually came from humble beginnings. So what? It, it there's a lot of facts around. Basically, they didn't grow up rich. They were pretty poor um, from what it's known but his father worked as a glove maker and then oh. eventually it's known that he became a relatively important figure in the town of Stratford um, by fulfilling civic uh, positions which okay. s- elevated his status and that's important when it comes to like education right so this this is how they tie in the assumption again it's assumption here because there's not much known that or likely it was likely that he, they were able to send their children to grammar school, which right, you'd right. think, again, William Shakespeare, it makes sense, right? Surely yes. that's what happened, right? And I'm saying surely and all this because it's assumption and vague, <laughs> exactly. and there's a lot of things to debunk this later on. Um, but William oh. lived with his parents until he was 18. He ended up then getting married at 18. Oh, wow. Okay. Which is, Young. you know... Uh, you know, he he was a man, and it's like I want to get married. You know what you want? <laughs> I want to get married. Um, also, different time, different time. Do you know what her name is, Jake? Have you seen this fun theory? No, not theory, but her, her name is Anne Hathaway. Really? Have you seen I, Anne Hathaway's husband? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I think his name is William, if I'm not mistaken. 
oh wow that's weird and they look and I'm not even like at least to no the, the paintings yeah, pull, pull it up Jamie dude that is weird <laughs> pull it up Jamie do pull it right it, now there's a great photo you should look this up if you're listening as well look up uh, There's. it's gotta be a meme somewhere I saw a meme where basically they put Anne Hathaway and her husband alongside William Shakespeare and Anne Hath- his wife Anne Hathaway and there's some weird uh, weird parallels. Um, in yeah, how they look. I'm looking it up right now. There's yeah, no way you, I can't. You do that. Um, but I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but uh, William and his wife, Anne Hathaway, not the actor, um, ended up having Whoa. three children. Oh, do you see it? Are you, you watch? Yeah, no, it? I'm sorry. I'm looking at the pictures now. Wow, that is that is eerie. <laughs> yeah. What is that? Wow. Reincarnation? You want to dive into that? <laughs> I Dude, I have no I idea. Know. What does what uh, her husband do? I don't watch, even know. Like, I really don't. I could not tell you. Um, wow. That's a side out. Google search. <laughs> But William and Anne uh, ended up having three children. Um, uh, there was a set of twins, one of which died at the age of 11. So some tragedy um, within his personal life, of course, which wow. um, kind of led into a lot of his writings, um, supposedly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but essentially, we, there's not too much known, again, in this period of time. It then jumps to um, the knowledge of his career, right, where it started in London, um, the timing is still hazy, but it's known that Shakespeare's twins, uh, his kids, were baptized in 1585, and then that um, by 1592, his reputation was established in London. Right, so those years oh, in between, wow. so that from 85 to 92, um, is still considered a mystery and is generally referred to as the lost years. So not too much known in between that period of time. Interesting. But his name got around like town, obviously, whether that was like by word of mouth or pamphlets or his right. writing. Leading up to 1592. Got it. Um, There's interesting, uh, again, I didn't realize this either, but he died in relative obscurity. I mean, he was, he ended his life, um, he didn't end his life, he, his life ended um, and he was known as a good writer in, in his world, but he was not. On this Known pedestal, as, like, as yeah. again in our in our, you know, teachings, he's the um, arguably the greatest writer of all time. Wow! Right. So, but I didn't realize that whole dynamic either, which was really interesting. Um, Unappreciated genius, typical. Yeah, yeah, I guess unappreciated. He's only the most copycatted. <laughs> um, yeah, works. now, <laughs> yeah, true. Wait till the true. man dies before he gets his due. You know. Yeah, I think I think the standing was I ended up finding out that he did like people thought he was good, but it wasn't mm-hmm. nearly the um, the fanfare that it is now around Got Shakespeare. It. Also, um, just to stop you for a quick moment, yeah, um, just to update the people on what they really want to know, okay. which is what does Adam Shulman do? Which is who's Anne Adam? Hathaway's, uh, husband. Oh, so it's not it's not William. I thought his her his name was William. So if it's not William, oh, then it, no, it's it's Adam uh, Shulman. Okay, okay, and he's an actor, film producer. Um, so he does dabble in the arts. Dabble in the arts, right? Yes. But they look alike. Am I not? Mistake. They do. Okay. The pictures look scary. <laughs> yeah, that was what. Okay, so then it wasn't the name that was also the connection, but you know, yeah. you know, lookalikes happen. Yes. But essentially, uh, after that time period, right from the, those lost years, um, in London, his first works were printed and were published. Um, two long poems, one of them being Venus and Adonis. It's a pretty popular one. Um, he also became. Here's what gets interesting. At least I think. He also became a founding member of the Lord of Chamberlain's Men, which is a oh. company of actors at the time. So like an ensemble, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's like a it's like a boy band. I don't, I don't know, you know, <laughs> it's a boy band, a writing boy, it's a boy band. band of the time. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, they were theater people. They wrote, they acted, and put on plays. Um, Interesting. And Shakespeare was the regular dramatist, producing around two plays a year for almost twenty years, right? Um, okay. He ended up remaining with that group the rest of his career, which during that time evolved into the Kingsmen, okay. um, which which essentially just means they became under the patronage of King James the First from sixteen oh at sixteen oh three. And there's an interesting I story around that as well. Coin. 
Yeah, yeah, but there's an interesting story here too, which I, I didn't want to dive all the way into because there's a whole backstory leading up to this. Give me the spark notes. Right. <laughs> Give me the spark notes. Well, essentially, the, the brief backstory on the Kingsmen is that in 1603, when Queen Elizabeth Elizabeth the first died, and mm-hmm. James the fifth, I believe, of Scotland became the new monarch. I think it's fifth. Maybe it's fourth. I could be wrong there. Um, but when he became uh, the new monarch and came James I of England, James uh, loved the arts so much and was basically generous to actors and playwrights. Yeah. Um, and in particular, James loved the theater. And so he was captivated by Shakespeare's acting troupe um, and the Chamberlain's men and ended up basically, you know, in a lot of those old books that we re- read, um, um, they're not old books, but they're uh, based in this world. Right. Where like if I'm an actor, you need a backing. Right. You need backing yeah. to live so you can go around and you, you have like a. Um, right. A benefactor. A, yeah, a benefactor. Like, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? That's a that's a, like a more business term for it. But yeah, you have a, a backer, someone who's willing to pay up front and then make his money on the back end. But by supporting you gets a cut. Right. And so yeah. the, the, the story that I read was essentially within 10 days of arriving in London, James insisted that Shakespeare's troupe come under his own patronage. Um, and they were granted a royal patent and changed their name officially to the Kingsmen in honor ah, of James. That's um, cool. And th- it kind of goes on to say that they were lucky that this happened um, because basically right after that, um, in 1603, there was a plague. <laughs> like oh. a horrific plague um, that uh, all theaters had to be closed. So they did yeah, social that, distancing, I guess. I don't know. Wow. I don't know, man. Oddly, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that I might don't, hurt don't have to d- dive into that at all, but that was pretty interesting to me. That's um, crazy. Basically, all the theaters had closed right after they became, you know, the Kingsmen, and so he was still on salary even through this plague. Wow. Um, so he was one of the lucky ones. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> um, they weren't out of work at the time, basically, um, okay. and provided them with separate engagements and, and uh, you know, parties to format, that sort of thing, oh, um, wow. in the London area. So um, that was an interesting side, John. There's a whole history there. And again, if there's more information, I'll do a deep dive. Um, but yeah. leading up to 1608, the Kingsmen had a permanent winter home at... Um, the Black Fairs Theater, and they played mostly to rich and well-educated audience, um, spent the summer months at the Globe, and essentially this is where the creativity, so a lot of the um, current renaissance um, of the time came from like this period of time. Um, And so like they're credited with starting the new style of Jacobian drama, uh, and Mm. then many of Shakespeare's greatest plays performed at court by special request. So I'm just trying to touch on how this is where that creativity really sparked. Right. Um, and that's, uh, you know, from this troupe and this gang, this boy band of, of actors and dramatists <laughs> and writers. These king's men. Yeah. And, and he also wrote a lot of tragedies. I know. Yeah, I don't know if there's any that you know of, again, but like Macbeth being one yeah. of them, um, along of with the greatest romances, you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Winner's Tale and, and The Temptest. A few of these I haven't uh, really dove into, but um, pretty interesting. Yeah. All in all, again, this is the general knowledge of Shakespeare, right? And we're leading to something, but this is where we're at. Okay, Jake? Um, Shakespeare is said to have died in 1616. Okay. Said? Why do you say it like that? Why do you say said to have died? Well, because there's an interest. We'll see. (laughs) And and again. This man a zombie? He alive? No, he's not. (laughs) He's not alive. (laughs) I don't think he's alive. Who knows? Okay, good. And, you know, maybe pull the wall. He's with Elvis. He's hanging out with Elvis. Right. <laughs> Throughout his span of career, what we've been able to find in a lot that's been left over has been what I mentioned at the front, over 38 plays, two narrative poems, and 154 sonnets, and a variety of other poems as well. Um, but no original manuscripts of Shakespeare's plays are known to exist, and it's mm. actually only thanks to a group of actors from Shakespeare's company that we have about half of the plays at all. Wow. Um, so there's half bizarre. of Shakespeare's like plays and actual writings missing. Yeah, we don't have any of the original manuscripts. We don't have any. We haven't found any of that. Yeah, um, which wow. is really interesting. Um, and th- basically, they collected them for publication after Shakespeare died. So that's also oh. to keep that in your mind, and okay. then preserving the plays. But 
you know, this story sounds simple, right? This man, he just yeah, was a writer simple. and um, you know, created this great work, and, and that's that, right? Yeah, he's dead. Whatever. You know, it's done. It's not true, Jake. What's not true? It, it's Which not part? Sim- it's not simple. <laughs> it's not simple? <laughs> trying to be dramatic here. I'm trying I to... thought this was I thought this was going to be a simple podcast, Jeffrey. No, no. no. I thought we were done. That, that was gonna, Thank gonna you guys for listening. <laughs> 20 minutes in, we're done. 20 minutes in, we're Funny out. enough, 20 minutes in, this is a great time. Um, to take a break, but before we do, yeah, I just want to say one thing. Before you tell us the secrets, <laughs> there's a great controversy with William Shakespeare. I don't know okay. if you've known this. Again, for the for me, I didn't. I didn't realize no. the controversy around this. Whether William Shakespeare r- really wrote these, or whether William Shakespeare even existed. You're kidding. We're gonna get into it after the break. <laughs> 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 and we're back okay jeffrey you you've had enough time you've had enough time no, so i'm going to take over this podcast now um you must tell me all the things and whether shakespeare actually existed or not or if he's a figment of our imaginations listen listen i'm, I'm gonna do my best to propose the ideas and the theories around the anti-stratfordians theory which is basically well, before we do that, I just want to mention um, uh, we should go ahead and do a shameless plug like we normally do after the ad. Okay. Check us out on Casual X History, on Instagram, yes. on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, we always are listening and watching those comments. And if you guys want to hear something specific, let us know. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. But let's j- jump back in. I just felt like I had to do that. Um, yeah, no, that's good. But anti-Stratfordians, um, it's a what term. What in the world is that? <laughs> and I think, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I could be pronouncing it wrong. Again, please give me some grace here. But it's a collective term for people um, with various alternative authorship theories. And they believe that she, there's a whole group. Of, like this, this is a running high class thought here, okay? Um, it. And it, it, we've had people such as um, uh, some of the great writers shoot. I wish I had their names listed out. But basically, they think that Shakespeare of Stratford was a front to shield the identity of the real author or authors who, for some reason, due to either social rank, state security, gender, whatever it may be, public opinion, did not and could not accept public credit for the work. So you're... (laughs) Okay. I mean, I understand, but I'm just a little bit mind blown. Um, Trust me. It it gets... It's... It weirdly makes sense. It weirdly makes sense because the works are so good that maybe like a collect they collectively wrote this and they had a surname to release it from to make it sound like one genius artist and you had all these artists put giving their input and making this thing. Right. Um, Wow. There's the thought that Shakespeare. So there's the thought. So there's two different things. Well, there's a lot of different things actually. So I'll just start with one. Basically, Shakespeare. The idea that Shakespeare did li- was a real person was alive and basically just gave him credit, or they used the name after the fact. And um, so th- there's some holes here, right? Which we can get into yes. the holes, but uh, the the biggest theory that's out there, or one of the main theories, is the Baconian theory. Okay, right. and so this yes, follows the Baconian theory. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds like a like a, a math <laughs> equation thing. Um, Explain it to me like I'm five, Jeffrey. <laughs> Francis Bacon. That's who we're talking about. Oh, wow. Okay? Francis Bacon. Do you know who Francis Bacon is? He deserves his own podcast. By yeah, the way. he really does. I, I don't know like a ton about him, but I know that like I obviously know he's super famous. Yeah. So I know so, he's a big name. Francis Bacon was born three years earlier than Shakespeare, according okay. to the timeline. Okay. According to the timeline. According <laughs> to our timeline. <laughs> I'm that I say everything with a question mark now. <laughs> okay, if you could just imagine Jeffrey right now uh, at a whiteboard looking like Sonny and Philadelphia. I'm Charlie. You know, I'm just Charlie. like Charlie just That's putting me. string across the room. That is definitely me. Um, <laughs> the, according to our timeline. <laughs> well, Francis Bacon, he served as an attorney general. So this is a basic background of, of Francis. Served as attorney general, Lord Chancellor of England, um, he resigned, uh, resigning amid charges of corruption. Though um, mm. his more valuable work was, he was a philosopher. Um, took up Aristotelian, it is Aristotle ideas. Um, there's a E-A-N there. I didn't pronounce right. Um, but arguing for an empirical, inductive approach, he's known for the scientific method. 
um, basically oh. being one of the, the founding. That's where like, I know the yes. foundation of modern scientific inquiry. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why. This is why I need to. I need to just explain. Like, this is why we have this podcast. Yeah. Because I know names. And I don't associate them with the actual things. You know, you grow up and you hear the name Francis Bacon. And I'm like, yeah, I know that guy. I right. know I know he's, like, done something really important. But I right. don't know any of the details. So, like, the fact that, like, this exists and we're doing this now is so awesome. Like, I just have moments like that where I'm like, I didn't yeah. associate that. This is why that. I'm here, That's Jake. Nuts. This is why I'm here. You know what Perfect. I mean? <laughs> That's why we're here for the people. But Francis Bacon is uh, a philosopher, essayist, scientist. Um, he actually wrote the plays which were publicly... This is the, the theory goes that he was the writer that were attributed to uh, William Shakespeare. So oh, this wow. is the theory that he was actually behind this, right? Um, there's various explanations that are offered for this alleged subterfuge, which is a fun word. Um, most <laughs> commonly that Bacon's rise to high office might have been hindered where to become known that he wrote plays for the public stage. Because again, at the time, oh, yeah. it wasn't like, it, it, it was a little bit lowly. You know, to in the to be dra- to write plays, yeah, dramas and like writing and being an actor is kind of a little bit of a um, you know a society thing, right? Um, thus, the theory goes that the plays were credited to Shakespeare, who was merely a front to shield the identity of Bacon. Okay, so at this point, have we said whether Shakespeare's a man? Did they they pin it on a person in that Kingsman group, right? And was just like, now we're just going to claim that you wrote all these, right? Or was it just like a surname, just a name that no one ever met him? He was just imaginary. There's theories person. around both, and again, the reason okay. why I said there's so much is that there's theories around both, and some may have more holes than others, and some may seem preposterous, but there's theories around both ideas. Okay, um, cool. and I'm just trying to follow this, the one of the main theories, and this theory that he is a real person. Um, And that essentially this was first put forth in the mid-19th century uh, based on perceived correspondences between the the philosophical ideas that Bacon um, had written about in his personal work Um, and then the works of Shakespeare, right? So they were able to go, wait a minute, this crosses over. Um, And some of the proponents claim to have found legal and autobiographical allusions in cryptographic ciphers and codes in the plays and poems to further this theory. Wait, if the dude didn't want any credit, why would you hide... Why would you hide, like, National Treasure-level maps inside your work? Well, it was basically he couldn't at the time be known for it, and so eventually, you know, you, you embed your... You still want it to be, you know, it's a cipher. You, it's a you. You're leaving your mark, regardless that it was you, right? That's the idea. Um, Can you imagine? Like, imagine you had a neighbor, and you did all this awesome stuff, and you're like, "Damn, I really wish I could put this stuff out here." But I'm just gonna say it comes from you. And then in 2022, there's still <laughs> like people performing your plays right. everywhere in high schools, colleges across. <laughs> you know, yeah. like your works become famous, and no one knows it's you. No yeah. one knows it's you. Well, here's the thing, Jake. There's a list of people, and I just thought of one of them being, um, you know, Fred Frederick Nietzsche. Uh, uh, like he also like subscribed to this theory. There's a list of people, like famous poets. Like I even think, uh, shoot, what was the name? Um, what's the blind? Uh, who am I thinking blind. of? The, the the girl who wrote. Oh my God, I know her name. <laughs> She's a famous writer. Yeah. Um, ah, shoot, it's okay. I'll think about it later. Um, but essentially there's a lot of people that subscribe to this theory, even like famous writers subscribe okay. to this theory. Um, wow. but here, so to continue on, essentially after supposedly deciphering the handwriting in Francis Bacon's notebooks that were found known as the promise of formularies and elegancies, um, Mary Farron Pott was the one who supposedly deciphered this. She argued that many of the ideas and the figures of speech in Bacon's um, book could also be found in Shakespeare plays, and Pot mm. ended up founding the Francis Bacon Society in 1885, and published her Bacon-centered theory in 1891. It was also put forth that Francis Bacon was f- the founding member of here's where it gets interesting, the Rosicrucians, which oh. I don't know if you've heard of this secret group, <laughs> cult, <laughs> whatever they were, whatever secret society. Excuse me, it was a secret. We need society. more secret societies now today. You know, I would I would totally start one, Jake. You want to start one? Can we please? <laughs> you want to start one right now? I've always wanted to. If I'm being completely honest, let's do I've it. Always wanted to. Let's start our own secret society, guys. Well, I mean, I feel 
<laughs> yeah, no, we, we can need totally more. do it if you have enough. In the people. 1800s, they were rampant. They were everywhere. Everybody, every two people that were like, we like each other. Let's start our own little cult. <laughs> it was the it was the pre it was the historical version of a podcast. That, that was it the was conversation. The, they were like, right. oh, we should we should start a secret society, and now it's we should start a podcast. <laughs> They're just people at the bar, just like oh, yeah. you hear about Jim? God, yeah. just a typical typical man starting his own secret yes, society. <laughs> <laughs> That's us though, because we started. It, a podcast. It really Yes. But we we got in right before. I think we got in right at the time where it was starting to become a thing. Of everybody Maybe. was saying, "Let's start a podcast." And, and then with the pandemic, man, like yeah. <laughs> I listened to so much more podcasts. Yeah. The pandemic. On. I love that idea that they're just old time people <laughs> in a bar. Yeah, <laughs> just like these young kids nowadays, yeah. just starting secret societies. Yeah, the the wives are complaining, saying, "Ah, you know, Jim, he's out there with this secret society again." It's the same thing as like have, he has to do it every Tuesday, you know, put out a podcast. I, I really want to find like there's all these like really crazy names for these secret societies. I want to find the more goofy ones. Like, right. I want to find ten people that were like the Duck Gang. Or something game? like there's, <laughs> you know, like something like way more goofy and less like you'd probably be more hidden if you were yeah. outlandish because no one would take you seriously. That's true, um, That's and true. they would just think it, they would write it off. So there's our theory. We need to be and you want it to sound crazy. cool, you know. You want to you want to be cool. You want to be able to put that on the back of your jackets when you walk around town. Well, the Rosicrucians, and I'm butchering that, I'm sure. Rose Rosicrucians sounds pretty cool. I believe um, you. They were known to be a, a cult of philosophers and claimed that they secretly created art, literature, and drama, including mm. the entire Shakespeare canon, right? So that's part of the theory that attributes to the the group theory around the work. Um, okay. And it's kind of related to this possible attachment from um, Bacon, Um but Interesting. It, that's a, a food for thought, you know, a whole other rabbit hole that needs to be explored. Yeah. Um, but that was one of them. Um, and the, basically the theory goes that this all happened before the Rosicrucians added the symbols of the rose and the cross to their work. Um, that was okay. kind of a symbol that they were known for. And this even ties into, <laughs> again, this also ties into um, uh, Curse of Oak Island. Oh, does it really? It it can. And Hit there's a whole dude. There's a great, great documentary on YouTube that I was watching leading up to this yeah. as a side theory jaunt um, that I'll send your way. And maybe if people are interested, hit us up. I can send you the link. Um, yeah, on I Facebook need. I need to pause right now. There's no sponsorships. I love Curse of Oak Island. I I understand um, it can get a little repetitive, but if you're interested in like all the stuff we are. Um, it's super fun watch. Yeah. So if you haven't seen Curse of Oak Island, I believe it's on History, right? Yeah, it's, it's on a History show on History. Please sponsor okay. us, History Channel. Please sponsor us. My gosh, <laughs> that would be local, so fun. At your, I don't know who'd we at. Who would we get people? To I don't talk know. About? I don't know who we'd get to talk to. Their Twitter. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we could at them. But the plot thickens, Jake. Okay. The plot thickens. That's one theory, right? So the Jason, ba- the James Bacon theory, connected to the Rosicrucians, and that it was a body of work and or. Um, uh, just solely from James. There's another theory known as the Tudor theory, um, also known as the Tudor Rose theory, which is um, an Oxfordian theory of Shakespearean authorship, which asserts that Earl of Oxford was the true author of the um, finished work under the name William Shakespeare. Um, And the, the prince holds that the Oxford and Queen Elizabeth I were lovers, and so, oh, uh, basically, who was raised as Henry, name I can't pronounce, and that the theory basically followed earlier arguments that Francis was the son of the queen. And a later version of the theory known as Tudor II states that Oxford was himself a son of the queen and therefore his own half-brother. And so, the, the theory what? goes that what? that these were basically written off and some of the parallels within Shakespeare play Shakespearean plays and the codes of speaking on political commentary and um you know royal Had courts and, and adjustments and yada yada ties into basically someone trying to get out that you know they're I don't there, there's a whole theory around it I can't I don't think I, I know enough to ba- basically give a summary of it wow. at the end but are you telling me that like his, these theories are basically their own Shakespeare play 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. This is crazy. Um, the theory was created, uh, it's created a division, from what I read, among Oxfordians. Many regard the theory as an impediment on to Oxford as Shakespeare, whereas the Prince Tudor theorists, um, that their theory better explains Oxford's life and their reasons for a pen name. Mm. So, again, just... And, and watch it be as simple as, no, this man just did it all. But yeah. but the, the the amount of lore and myth around this is really insane, um, and it took me by surprise. Yeah. Um, but here, there's a thought also around the bake the James Bacon theory, which goes was Bacon even qualified? So one of the the thoughts goes, okay, a cipher, right? So for yeah. someone to do this, you would have to have knowledge, intimate knowledge of how to do this, especially over spanning like your work, right? You have to you have to have some yes. knowledge of how to do this and have thought and put into it, and it can't be just something you do on a whim. Right, um, and so the question goes: Was Bacon qualified to put together a cipher at the time, or was there such a thing around? Like, was that a popular use case? Was that something that's being done? Ciphers? You know, I didn't know this anyway. Um, the answer goes essentially yes. <laughs> so <laughs> the it, answer it is further, yes. It further it furthers James Bacon, and so basically, the cryptographic world emerged through the invention of movable type. Okay. So if you can follow this. But people had been using cryptographic means to secure the communications for centuries before the advent of print, um, such as like diplomatic and commercial business throughout the medieval and modern periods. They depended heavily on handwritten codes and ciphers. Um, Official correspondence and private documents alike are peppered, peppered is a funny way to say it, with mysterious (laughs) symbols designed to be read only by those who had the key to the system. Right. So this was no, this this wasn't something that came out of nowhere. This was a popular thing. A and very common. It thing. goes so far as to say that Sir Francis Bacon is known for providing the first English summary of the science of ciphers in his famous work of the Advancement of Learning. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. So in this book, and I'm I'm doing this to kind of point the 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 uh, the arrow at Bacon, um, yes. but in the Advancement of Learning, the Bacon book, um, he describes his own invention while just a teenager of the so-called bilateral cipher. The original 1960, uh, the original 1605 edition mentions that the episode only in passing, but the extended Latin edition in 1623 dives a bit deeper into this, um, okay. which explains the system of the cipher, bilateral cipher, in detail to show how it works and to put it in practice. So he was a man... Yes. Who knew how to do ciphers and had intimate knowledge of, enough to write a book on them? Yeah, <laughs> right. And in the wow. course of the 16th century, cryptographers found ways to reduce the entire alphabet to only a few letter letters. Right, and this is how the the, the bilateral cipher works. Um, so even so, statesman Sir Francis Bacon devised a system using just two. And Bacon's bilateral system, each letter of the English language is represented by a different five-letter combination of A's and B's. Um, but essentially, wow. the, 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 thing, uh, the story goes, yes. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. So, it, so have we it. cracked these ciphers? Like, where are they that, hidden? That is the reason, again, what, going back to the original um, um, cipher that was supposedly supposedly... Um, derived from Bacon's personal notes by, I believe yes. it was Mary Pott, um, who said to have uh, found philosophical, and, and there's basically congruences between the two, right? Okay. Um, and that's kind of where it left off on that, whether he was a cipher or like right, whether he knew how to write ciphers. But um, there's also a whole other side jaunt that is very, very consuming um, around the theory that the Aristocrucians that we talked about, the secret society connecting into yes. the Templars and um, the symbols that then led <laughs> to the Curse of Oak Island. Um, wow. And essentially that the, the lost manuscripts of Shakespeare could be... Somehow on that island. On that island. Um, and a wow. lot of it was hidden and because due to Queen Elizabeth at the time um, being ruthless and there is stories basically where social commentary and critique... And of the courts was not right. And so that's the whole idea and the whole kind of theory around Shakespeare being a rebel, right, of of kind of using slang and um, creating these works that were monumental for us now. But at the time, again, from what I read and understood, he died in relative 
again, if you believe whatever mm-hmm. you believe, um, died in relative not obscurity. He was well known. He was a good. He was good. He's known as good, but he was not considered great or you know life changing. Um, and there's That's a few crazy. there's a few thoughts as well, which are kind of fun facts that essentially one of um, uh, Francis Bacon's friends and there's I can't remember his name, um, but he's quoted with like listing out some of the greatest writers of their time. Right. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, these people influenced and, uh, you know, made a mark. Shakespeare wasn't on it. You know who was on it? Francis Bacon. Interesting. And it, it, not that maybe that means anything, but it it basically kind of points to why wouldn't he be considered within his, the people who have intimate knowledge of this group, like this group of people, these intellectual, philosophical people, these people who are putting these pieces together around social commentary, around great, you know, f- philosophical ideas, why wouldn't he be mentioned? Or yeah. why, especially because they're in the same group. And it it just, uh, it caused a lot of controversy, and there's so much more to be learned here. But that, yeah. and I, I hate to say that I don't have an answer for you one way or the other, but I don't. Of course. I don't have an answer for you one way or the other. Um, yeah, this is still ongoing mystery. I think um, what's really interesting, too, is that um, not knowing whether at any point in uh, Francis Bacon's life did he ever try to come out and try to take claim again. Like, you know, because it might have been circumstances at the time and not his entire life that these works might have looked bad on him for right. it to be attached at the, we- at the moment. You know but his like, uh, Shakespeare. Sorry to interrupt. The the folio. Do you know what the so basically the first folio, which is that kind of c- c- um, grouping of the the sonnets, the plays, and all that um, of Shakespeare's work, right? So if Shakespeare died in 1611, which is what mm-hmm. was supposedly known. Um, it took three years before that folio came about, um, and hmm. Bacon lived through that time. Basically, he right. lived up until 1623, I believe. Um, and so basically it could have very easily been like, he's like, if it, it took that long for all that to come out, I don't, it's a mystery, but that's one of the holes in the theory too. And also the whole goes that Shakespeare being of poor origin, how did he, like, there's, there's a piece of information. So there's supposedly there's a a finding of this, um, parchment, right? On this parchment, it was supposedly signed by William Shakespeare and the handwriting looked like a four-year-old. Like really? quite literally was terrible, um, and they showed a photo of it in one of these docs I, I watched, and that again they said, "How could this man, if this is the writings of William Shakespeare, write this right?" And like then showed like a list of you know Macbeth and the writing and the um, interesting the verses of the poets and sonnets and and if that's true, that also goes against Shakespeare being the person being he he they go as far to say that. William Shakespeare, the man, was illiterate. Wow. So, wow. depending on Can what you, oh side of the fence you're on, you could go either way, I think. Just imagining William Shakespeare as illiterate. Yeah. Like, and then how we think of him nowadays as this, like, liter- literary god, yeah. in a way, like, is mind-blowing to put yeah. together. It, it really is interesting. Um, there, there's... The, again, there's also a lot of uh, famous people. I want everyone to do their own research here because, like, some of the the best writers also have subscribed and or at one point in time pointed to this being odd. Um, like people in, within our time and within you know the last two hundred years, um, it's just really interesting to get someone else's take also who's in that world and definitely probably has a better knowledge of it than me. I don't think I have my I don't know. There's defenders of you know Shakespeare to the like to the end that this is no people he was he wasn't poor. So the theory goes that um, because of that and his un like he got slandered basically that uh, when you're someone who does something that's not in the royal court or you're not in the you know prestigious uh, uh, play, like uh, what's yeah. the title? It didn't come or, from means. Right, yeah. it didn't come from yeah. means that you know that they had. To, oh, he couldn't have done this. So. Then goes this theory to try to degrade the man who who actually did it. So wow, I don't know. I and maybe this could be a foolhardy attempt to say. Then maybe there's answers out there already. Conclusion and holes in all of these theories. Mm-hmm. I didn't find them. Um, I just went down a whole rabbit hole and found this list of information. And it's I think is really worth diving into, especially um, if you're interested in trying to find out more. 
Man, if I was if I was anywhere near like the tech stuff like now, where they can use AI to analyze writing and keywords and oh, phrases sh- that connect, they did. They did. Wait a minute. That would that would be my first go to for Francis Bacon. Like, let's put all his input writing into a computer to a supercomputer and see if they find um, similarities. Because again, if they could do that beforehand, just like visually read it and go, "Huh, that sounds familiar. That sounds very familiar to how this person writes." Um, I'd be very interested to see what like a supercomputer with AI would do um, to analyze this. And I like could now. be wrong. I think some of these cipher claims might have come from something along those lines um, okay. that it was used, especially later in, in some of these research and documents that they found um, more ciphers using that technology. And I could be wrong there. I don't want to speak too out of turn, um, but something hits my head when you said that. I think that that's right. Um, but again, yeah, just a fucking incredible wealth of uh, interesting shit to dive into. <laughs> Man, there's so many conspiracy theories throughout history. Just because there's so many like undocumented things, there's there's so much gray area. Yeah. Like exactly like knowing that there's like a dark period in his life that we don't even know where he was at at any point. Yeah. Um, yeah, just crazy. And then when you think about nowadays, obviously, like there are ways... Not to know where you are at every point, but I mean, basically, um, so much more tracking and be able to see. Yeah, yeah. I thought we I thought we could end this on some fun words that Shakespeare created. Yes, Um, I thought that'd be a great way to wrap this up. Okay, Um, and start using it regularly in this podcast. Is what you're saying? Well, it's funny enough. They're words that you and I use every day. Well, not every day, but within our. They're definitely within our vocabulary. But he invented them. Oh wow! These okay. documents, Shakespeare, the man or the the pen name, the created myth, the legend. Um, so words like bandit, bandit, critic, oh. dauntless, dwindle, elbow as a verb. So like to elbow somebody. Um, wow. Green eyed to describe jealousy, lackluster, lonely. Can I get an amen? No, wow. <laughs> <laughs> right around. Right around. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Lover's month, Jeffrey? Lover's yeah. month? <laughs> yeah. Like uh, amazement, assassination, wow. um, bump, bloody, baseless, disheartened, dwindle. These words did not exist before exposure, this? Exposure, generous, gloomy. Um, yeah. Those are some fun words I thought we could end that on, but he that created all crazy. of them. Yeah. Wow. That, that's that's, nuts, that's all I got for you today, Jake. And I, I hate that I don't have more answers for you, but I think it could be worth Using this, maybe, maybe this is a potential part one to a later deep dive. It kind of explains a bit more, and I, maybe as I get more information, it could be worth coming back to if if people find it interesting. If you guys don't find it interesting, I'm just going to do it in my spare time and keep <laughs> the information for myself. Yeah, to do our own research, you know? Yeah, I might. Uh, okay, well, my first idea is that I'm going to email Oak Island staff <laughs> yeah. and try to yeah. get in one of their meeting war rooms. Yeah as an expert on this and try to help them connect William Shakespeare with Oak Island. I yeah. It. Yeah. I think, I think, we, well, you know, what's funny is, um, William Shatner, I saw a clip of William Shatner on that show and he yeah. brought up the Shakespearean mysteries oh, and man, the, the docs. And again, they had no answers, but he brought it up saying, what do you think about this potentially being that place? And, and the, one of the main guys, um, I forget his name, kind of went, ah, oh, you know, they just think it, you know, everybody wants to have their mystery here, yada, yada. Right. And a few other people. So here's a fun fact we can leave off on. So on Oak Island, so one of the things mm-hmm. Francis, or James Bacon was known for, or Francis Bacon, excuse me, was known for, was um, he had explicit writings about trying to preserve parchment hmm. using mercury. So that oh. was a well-known thing that he did and spoke about, wrote about, Right. Right. Um, on Oak Island, they ended up finding mercury and parchment, like way, way, way underground. They don't know whether any of this is connected, but if, if someone were to try to preserve a set of documents and Bacon was one of the men who was involved in this, um, and he was speaking about preserving parchment papers, documents, parchment in mercury, and they hid it away. Wow. That... You know, there is a possible clue there. Um, there's a lot That's of other crazy. clues that lead there, according to some. Um, I don't have enough knowledge to speak on it probably well enough, but that's one of them I found interesting. 
But wow, this was really good. Yeah. Okay, see, I, I found out I did not know William Shakespeare like I thought he did. I knew there were controversies around him. Yeah. I just had no idea it was whether he was alive yeah. or a person. And my mind's not made up. But I, in, in my head, he's still just going to be Shakespeare, the one person who wrote all of this. But to have this information is really fun and kind of, uh, I don't know. If anything, it's interesting to see how this can come out of that type of situation. Like The fact that this is even a theory uh, yeah, like, it's mind blowing to me that like I, I sometimes think, do we attribute too much to s- certain people? Right, like these mm. ciphers, these codes, these theories. Did did was this real or was this something we like to fantasize about and romantic? You know, and and think yeah. is fun to do. You know, I think I think um, at large, uh, the idea why it's so hard hitting and thinking about this is just the fact that works like these and like art and like music, it all lumps together to me of like those are things that literally time travel like art is the thing not to get all philosophical but like it's true like if someone made a song or something like that and that gets passed down and passed down and passed down that is something that can live on forever um what you know what you and i might say right here won't transcend time probably <laughs> most likely no we're going but to. We're, you this, know this podcast will be remembered this movement this uh <laughs> this uh, our own secret organization yeah that's um, <laughs> right that's this is gonna they're gonna start looking for clues in our podcast we're gonna they start leaving are. dead spaces that Dude. are um what's the uh the tap 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 code do you know what i'm talking about morse code oh, oh we're gonna start God. leaving spaces in perfect yeah. timings that leave wait a minute wait a minute i just had <laughs> a great idea Go ahead, hit me with it. Can we actually, at the end, uh, we should start a thought here, and this is something okay. we should debate, and if if you guys have made it this far, please let yeah. us know, because if you made it this far, you're a true true warrior, and yes. this might be only for you. We should start leaving uh, uh, secret codes at the end of every podcast. Like, you know how we have an outro, wow. right? We have an outro at the end of, of our, our podcast. Yes. We should leave some sort of code... Um, that I, I, maybe it leads to an article, maybe it leads to some. I don't know what it leads to, or maybe it's just a message. I haven't Dude, fully thought this amazing. out, but it would be f- really fun <laughs> to create. I'm gonna I'm gonna retroactively go back to all sixty of our podcasts. <laughs> we can and already, actually, you know that, and already go through and like build this out for ourselves. We'll build a cipher. Yeah, a long term cipher. Wait, can we actually We're do g- this? <laughs> I really we probably do this now. I now do I'm gonna this. have to read how. Fr- uh, Francis Bacon built his cipher, so that yeah. way we can do one. <laughs> okay, that's on the list. I'm not even joking about that either. I know, I'm, I'm not. That'd I'm be amazing. dead serious, so we should debate about this off podcast and try okay. to figure out how to make this happen. And not to keep talking about this, but this is also awesome. Do you remember, like, all growing up, that is something I've always wanted to do, like, um, Secret like within messages? a website. No, like, within a website, be able to have, like, yeah, you click uh, something that isn't a button in a corner leads you to a secret page with secret content mm. and stuff like that. That's always been something I want to do. So this cipher is like right down the middle of like, yeah. yes, I want it. I want uh, the mystery. Maybe eventually we could connect it to, to the, those sort of media pieces that we eventually get up and running. Like, um, but that, that's an interesting thought. I think that's a great way to end this podcast. It is. It is. It is. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Check us out on the interwebs, casual X history, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, Twitter. Um, We'll see you next week. You guys are the best.